I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And good morning, we welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. I did to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God? You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 32 through 40. While you're turning there, let me address something that many people have written in or sent us emails concerning, and I'll address it. Yes, you've heard right, I am running for Lieutenant Governor of the state of North Carolina. This decision hasn't come lightly. It's come after two years of prayer, talking with our men, speaking with our church, speaking with people all over the state. And so we ask and cover your prayers. I don't know anything beyond that, just that I know that God wants me to do this. And we ask that you would pray for us. Uh, you can find more out about that at www.allen4nc.com. Allen4nc.com. And uh, that will lead you uh, to more details concerning that. We will be having a kickoff party, a formal announcement February the 25th, and that will be in Ashboro, North Carolina. Now, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the Word of God. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 32 through 40. The Bible says, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with his, this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and it took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. When he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. And thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, The Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, and he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put his uh, helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not yet proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off of him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near 
to the Philistine. Part of God's training plan for David involved God placing the young man in some difficult situations. Now, during these difficult times, David learned to trust the Lord and walk in the power of God, not in the power of the flesh. David learned the lessons necessary to survive life, not just survive, but to thrive in life. We see David in one of the most desperate times in, uh, in his life in these verses. And here David trusts God for some big things. And in return, God sees David through the miraculous. I know that we've heard these verses preached and re-preached countless times. And it's doubtful that you're going to hear anything new or that I'm going to add anything to your repertoire of what you've heard that's going to be something that you have not ever found. But I do believe that these helpful instructions contained here, if followed, can help us to lead to a victorious, a more victorious life when we're facing battles in our day. We're going to watch David walk into the Valley of Elah. He's going to face a nine foot, nine inch giant and we can see, see some much-needed instructions about how we can survive in our giant country as well. I would show you in verses 17 through 24, survival is a matter of timing. Now, this day for David began like any other day. He plans to tend his sheep. He plans to do the same things that he's done day after day for years. However, this day would prove to be the most different day that he's lived thus far. Jesse sends David to check on David's three elder brothers who are fighting in Saul's army. They've been gone for at least 40 days, according to 1 Samuel 17 and verse 16, and Jesse is concerned. Well, in those days, you realize that countries did not have standing armies. Ordinary citizens would rally around the king when he called for volunteers to fight. So David goes to his brothers as he's commanded. And he arrives and he finds the armies of Israel cowering in fear because of the taunts of Goliath. Remember, this is a giant. This is a nine foot, nine inch tall man. Even King Saul appears to be too afraid to face the giant in battle. But while the army of Saul hides in their tents, David hears this giant as he's blaspheming the name of God. And he shames the people of God. Now his day, David's day, had started like countless other days uh, that he had ever lived. But before the sun went down on this particular day, David found himself face to face with a mighty giant. Now, isn't that exactly how the giants of life come to you and I? They rarely give notice that they're coming, yet we get up one morning expecting like that day is going to be the, uh, like any other day. And here stands a giant. It's completely caught us off guard. It's here to frighten us. It's entered our lives. We look, at, uh, we look up, and most of the time, we have no idea what to do. Now, if we're going to survive in giant country, when we, we have got to understand that giants don't just show up. Their appearance is well-timed. Now, from our perspective, they just appear. But from God's perspective, they're all a part of his perfect plan 
for us. If, if we could ever grasp that truth that nothing comes our way apart from the will of God, it would change our attitude toward the giants of life. Passages like Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Psalm 37, 23, Job 23 and verse 10, Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. All of these verses would become real to us, and they would bring great comfort to our hearts. My friend, I believe that we're most of the time we're just like Israel. Israel wandered through the wilderness for two years after they had left Egypt. They arrived on the banks of the Jordan River. All they had to do was cross the river and take the promised land of blessing that God had already given unto them. Instead of going in and taking the land, they sent 12 spies. The spies looked over the land. They came back with their report. Ten of these spies were convinced of Israel's defeat because of the presence of giants in the land. And the spies' own words tell the story best in Numbers chapter 13, verse 23 through 33. For sake of time, we don't have time to read that, but I encourage you, the last verse says this, And we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come, out of, the, uh, come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. The people heeded the negative report of ten men, and had to spend 38 more years in the wilderness. Now, here's the point of all of this. Did God know about the giants? Could God have removed them before Israel arrived? Did he allow them to be there? The answer to all of these questions is yes. Yes, he knew they were there. Yes, he could have removed them. Yes, he allowed them to be there. God wanted Israel to face those giants. Forty years later, when they came back to the Jordan River, guess what? The giants were still there waiting. Deuteronomy chapter 9 and verses 1 through 3. By the way, the same principle is seen over and over in the Word of God. The three Hebrew boys in the furnace, Daniel chapter 3, Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel chapter 6, the disciples in the storm, Mark chapter 6 and verse 45. God knew all about these events because they were a part of his perfect plan. Here's what I'm trying to say. When these giants show up in your life, it did not get there by accident. That giant is there by the providence of God. It is there because God sent it, God allowed it, and however you want to say it, it is there because God in his precise timing wanted you to face it when it came to you. And when the giants come, we can either get depressed, we can either get defeated, or we can realize that they're part of a tangible symbol of God working out his will in our lives. We can be like Saul in Israel, and we can hide from the giants. Or we can be like David and face the giants. We have a choice. We can be discouraged, or we can do like Job and worship in spite of what the giant is doing in our lives. Job chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. The choice is entirely up to you. But if you ever understand that giants come according to God's timing, it will help you survive in giant country. Now, secondly, I want you to see in verses 25 through 40 that survival is a matter of trusting. 
When David hears the threats and defiance of Goliath, he determines that something must be done about this giant. He makes his intentions known in verses 26 through 32. And David sets out to see Goliath defeated. But as soon as David expresses his desire to see the, the uh, giant defeated, he is met with criticism in verse 28 and doubt in verse 33. However, as we see David move toward the moment when he would face off against that giant, we see a young man who has learned something about faith and trust in the Lord. David has learned about God's promises. We know that, 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13. David had been anointed as king to sit on the throne, and David knew that he would not die this day. My friend, God had other plans for David. He knew that he could not die because God had already anointed him king, and he has yet to be king of Israel. David knew that he would not die this day. Secondly, David learned about God's protection in verses 34 through 37. David has learned that everything that God had done in the past, God is still able to do. Further, David has learned about God's power in verses 38 through 40. David knew that victory did not reside in swords, shields, spears, armor, or bows. Victory was in the mighty power of God. And he would go into this battle with the same God and the same weapons he had used before. In other words, David's trust was not in the army. It was not in the armaments. It was not in the armor. David's trust was in Almighty God. And the same God who had protected him and given his victory after victory on the hills of Judea would grant him that same victory in the Valley of Elah. For David, there was only one giant there that day, and his name was not Goliath. The only giant David had in his life was God Almighty. What a lesson we have. What a lesson here is for us who face giants from time to time. If we could ever learn the same lessons that David learned about fighting giants, then my friend, we could make short work of every one of them. Here's what you need to know as a believer in this life, in right now, in today. Number one, God did not save you for some giant to destroy. God saved you to take you home to glory. That giant can never undo the eternal work of God that has already been done in your soul. That giant is there as a part of God's eternal plan in your life. And that giant is there to grow you. Numbers 14 and verse 9. There's nothing quite like cutting your teeth on a few giants to help your faith grow stronger. And you can trust in God's purposes. But further, God will not change courses in the middle of the street. You see, man is bad to change courses in the middle of the stream because man changes his mind, not God. 
Now, God can change his mind, but for him to switch our directions in the middle of the stream would imply that he makes a mistake. And God can do what he wills, but he cannot make a mistake. He's perfect. He's holy. He will always be that which he has ever been. And one of the greatest attributes of our Lord is his immutability. And that simply means that he is unchangeable. God is a God who cannot change. Malachi 3, 10. I am the Lord thy God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. I change not. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God who did all of those marvelous, miraculous things we read about in the Bible is still the same God today. You've heard about the Red Sea. You've heard about the manna, the water from the rock, the meal and the barrel, the cruise of oil, the loaves and the fishes, the raising of Lazarus. Well, the same God who did all of those things and countless others is still our God today. His name says it all. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, I am that I am. He is the self-existent one. He is the changeless God. And you can trust in God's protection. One thing as believers I've noticed, we have no trouble remembering our past defeats. But we have real trouble remembering those victories the Lord has given. Think about that. We can remember every valley, but it seems hard to remember even one mountaintop. We need to change that. Third, I would show you that God will never fail those who place their trust in him. God will never fail those who place their trust in him. Those who trust in men, methods, materials can and will fail. But those who place their unwavering trust in God and his power will never fail. You see, our God is not a weak, anemic God. No. He is the God of power, a God of glory, the God who is ever moving in mighty ways to make his power known. Those who trust him as they face the giants of life can see that power work in their lives by faith. My friend, God is powerful. And those who walk with their faith in him can experience that power. Where's your trust as you're facing the giants of life? Is it in man? Is it in the economy? Is it in yourself? Look at me now. Those will fail. And as we face our giants, we must be certain that our faith and our dependence is in the Lord. He and he alone will never fail, and our survival depends on our being able to trust him. 
finally, verses 41 through 54, survival is a matter of taking. There comes a time when talk must stop and action must begin. The time had come for David to take that which he had already been given by the Lord. He walks down into that valley. He faced that giant. He declared his faith in God. He slung that stone and he killed that giant. What a moment it must have been in young David's life to see God do that which no one but David believed possible. Friend, there's a time when the talking needs to stop. And the taking needs to begin. And as we face the giants in our day, day by day, isn't it about time that we started taking by faith some of the things that we have already talked up enough about? For instance, we talk about God providing for our need. Philippians 4.19 my God shall supply all of our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It rolls off the tongue. It makes us feel good. It makes us feel blessed and powerful. It empowers us, and it makes us just feel joyful. But we still worry about finances. One thing I learned very early in ministry, it is not the church that takes care of the pastor. It is not the deacons that looks after the pastor. It is the Lord because the Lord owns the church and the Lord owns the pastor and the Lord is in charge and the Lord has called me to his work. Thus the Lord has the full responsibility to take care of me. Now, he uses you, he uses many of you individually and he uses the church in a very corporate sense. And you are used by God to take care and meet the needs of the pastor and staff. But I don't look to you for that. I look to God because he takes care of me. We talk about God's grace in every situation in life, but we still act like we aren't going to make it. We talk about God being in control of our lives, and we quote Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. But we live like our lives are completely out of control. Isn't it time we stop talking about all that we could have in Jesus and we start taking it? David defeated Goliath because he was willing to take what God had given him by faith. And the same will work in your life and mine. As we face our giants, we have already been promised the victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. 2 Corinthians 2 and 14. Romans 8, 37. Take it! How? By doing what David did. Place your trust in the Lord. Believe that he can do everything that he has ever done. And then walk into your valley, square off with your giant, and keep swinging until he falls. 
And I'm convinced that is the reason David took five stones to kill one giant. He knew he might miss on the first shot, and he kept aiming to sling those stones until he had the victory. Friend, whether you believe this preacher or not, here's the truth of the matter. You are a giant killer. Not because you possess any power, but because you serve a God who possesses all power. Not because your aim is good, but because you serve a God that never misses. Not because you deserve anything at all from God, but because he's promised to give you his victory through his son, the Lord Jesus. So get out there and take what's yours by faith. Your survival depends on it. So how do you, in closing, how do you have a giant that you would like to see defeated in your life? Let me tell you, they don't always fall easy. Goliath went down on the first swing. Yours and mine might take many more than that. But if your giant ever falls, it will be through the work of Almighty God in your life and on your behalf. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6 says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You know, it's interesting to watch the characters involved in this account. Saul nurses his fears. Eliab feeds his jealousy. Goliath polishes his pride. But David, he flexes his faith. And the rest watched as David claimed the victory. It could have been Saul. It could have been Eliab. It could have been any of the thousands of Israel. But it was left to a shepherd boy to claim the victory and teach them all about the power of faith. So my friend, you can hide in your tent. You can try to avoid that giant. Maybe he'll just go away. He won't. By the time the 40th day arrived... Goliath had already crossed the valley and was starting up the mountainside toward the camp of Israel. Your giant won't just go away. Your giant will get closer and closer, and eventually he'll defeat you if you do nothing. Your giant will not be content to do nothing. He will take over your life if he can. Or you can get up and get out and go up and go out and meet your giant in your faith in the God of battles. That is the recipe for victory in the war against the giants of life. If you need to do some giant killing, this altar is a good place to start. Lay down your swing and take a swing at the giant through prayer and through the God of the ages.